You're listening to the Westchester Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ. I just wanted Joe Anderson to know that I was at church today, especially since I've been asked to do the message. And it's good to see all of you. It's good to be back home. I just got back from Panama. Jim and I, along with 600 church leaders from all over the globe, met together in Panama to have an international leadership conference. I had to be there a few days earlier for a delegates meeting, which the delegates are representatives from all uh, the various churches. Uh, there are 32 church families, and each one has a chairman, and for every 1,000 disciples, a church has a delegate. And so there are three delegates that uh, represent the New York, New Jersey uh, churches, and that would be me, Larry Craig and Johnny Rivera. Uh, Johnny wasn't able to make it because of his son's recent accident, but uh, uh, he did have a proxy uh, to be there. Tommy Bean represented him. And it was a great conference. It was a great time together. And I come back uh, a little fired up from the conference. I really do. And I want to share with you some of the convictions that I gained as a result of this conference. Our theme this morning, this, this month is Be Bold. Be Bold. So today I want to talk to you about a spirit of boldness. Because we spend a lot of our time in the book of Acts, and as I went and, and read and meditated on Acts, I see a spirit of boldness that we need to all have in our lives. So let's pray together as we do this. Our God and Father in heaven, it is good to be back with everyone and just thank you for the many, many blessings that you give to us. Thank you for the gift of salvation, but not only salvation, but God, you've allowed your spirit to dwell in us. Uh, you've filled us with your spirit and, and by the power of your spirit, we're able to live lives that give you glory. Bless our time together today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start over in 2 Timothy uh, chapter, Second Timothy chapter 1. And you know, in Second Timothy, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy, who is a bit timid. And he tells him, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now that now lives in you also. He says, and then he goes on and says, Therefore I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Is that not good news, church? That God has given us a spirit of power of love and of self-discipline, not a spirit of timidity, not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of shrinking back, that the Holy Spirit that lives in us is a spirit of boldness. It's a spirit that wants to preach. It's a spirit that wants to step forth by faith. It's a spirit that wants to help seek and save the lost. 
It's a spirit that wants to give glory to God, and that's the spirit that lives in you and me. And I think sometimes as Christians, we truly don't appreciate and understand the gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. That God has put a part of himself to dwell within us, to live in us. Because for us to accomplish the will of God, we need the Spirit of God. To give glory to God and to fulfill the mission that God's given us, I just thought about three things that the Spirit of boldness does and three things that help me to understand why we need the Spirit. Number one, it takes a spirit of boldness to save souls. Number two, it takes a spirit of boldness to grow in our faith. And number three, it takes a spirit of boldness to fulfill our destiny. So we're going to hit these real quick, and preferably you'll go home encouraged and built up in your faith. So first of all, let's talk about a spirit of boldness to save souls. Now, as much as you may not want to talk about evangelism or whatever, the Spirit of God wants to save people. The Spirit of God wants to save people. Can I get an amen on that, church? You know, when Peter and the apostles were told by Jesus to go to Jerusalem and wait, he told them to wait on the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, that was going to come upon them. And so this great day of Pentecost came, and in Acts 2, the Spirit descended upon Peter and the other eleven. And they began to speak in tongues, to speak in the languages of all the Jews who had come from other countries to be a part of that great feast. And the Bible begins to to talk about all the different languages that they spoke in, uh, in countries of which they'd never visited. It was sort of like what took place at this uh, conference this past week. We literally had disciples from six different continents, many who spoke English. But when they met in their various groups and connected with uh, the different brothers and sisters that came with them, they spoke their native language. So it was like Peter coming and speaking in Russian and Peter coming and, and speaking in the African language and, and, and James and John and all the other guys speaking in all the native languages of all their fellow Jews. And people were amazed. Now some said they're 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 getting they're drunk, and then they're reminded that it's only nine in the morning. So most likely they're not drunk. But then Peter stands up with the eleven and boldly proclaims the word of God. And so we pick it up in Acts chapter two, and verse thirty-six, and we with scripture that we're very familiar with. When Peter says, therefore, then let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I mean, he preached it. He called them to account for the fact that their sins had nailed Jesus to the cross. And that they were guilty of this man's blood. 
and that because of their transgressions against God, because of their rebellion against God, that now they were accountable because God sent Jesus to the cross to die because of you. He laid it out that day. And there are people who would never heard this message before, but they knew they were sinners. And they knew from the Old Testament that God had prophesied that there would be a Messiah who would come and set them free from their sins. And by the power of the Spirit, Peter convicted them. And the Bible says that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They were moved. They were disturbed, just like many of us were when we did that sin and repentance study. When we did that cross study, our hearts were moved. Some of us were moved to tears. I know I couldn't sleep that night after I did the cross study. I mean, I was tossing and turning. Man, I'm responsible for Jesus having to die on the cross. All those sins I committed and and the rebellion that was in my heart, that's why Jesus went to the cross. And if no one else had done, had sinned, he still would have done it for me. I couldn't sleep that night. And I had to decide, I'm either going to make Jesus Lord or I'm going to have to dismiss it and say it's not true. And so I decided to make Jesus Lord, just as many of us did, right? And the Bible says that Peter says, Replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. Thank God it's for us too, right? Because at that gathering, it was only Jews. And we don't have many Jews in here today. We've got a lot of Gentiles. But thank God the cross, the message of the cross, and salvation through Jesus is for Gentiles too. Can I get an amen on that? For black people, for Latino people, for Jamaican people. Huh? White people too, brother. You Gentiles as well. And he says, and you will receive the, the, the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. With many other words, he warned them. There was more to this message than repent and be baptized. He warned them. If you do not respond to Jesus, you will reap the consequences. I'm talking about heaven or hell today, Peter said. I'm talking about your eternity, and I'm warning you. If you turn your backs on this gospel, you'll never be saved. Jesus is the only hope for your salvation. He warned them. You don't know how much time you have. Stop procrastinating. Stop putting it off. Today is the day of salvation. Lord God Almighty is calling all of you account today for your actions. You can't mock God. You can't deceive God. You need to respond to God. 
Now, we need to get back to warning people sometimes. Even people who claim to be Christians. That if you don't repent, if you don't deal with that secret sin in your life, if you don't come clean, you will reap what you sow. And you may have all of us fooled, but God knows exactly what's going on in your life. We need some warning sometimes. And the Bible goes on and says, and then he pleaded with themselves. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You see, our salvation is an individual decision. And preferably you and your household will come to Christ. But the decision has to be made by each individual. And if you're not a Christian, I plead with you. Make Jesus Lord. Stop just visiting church and become a part of God's family. I'm begging you. You're not promised tomorrow. Peter went at it. And the Bible says that those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to that number that day. That's how effective this message was. That's how powerful it was. And, and this, this is why we come to church. We don't come to church to, to hear sugar-coated message. We're here today because we want to be moved to draw closer to God. We want to be moved to be better people for God. To do more things to give glory to God. Isn't that why you're here? You don't want some mealy-mouthed message telling you you're okay when you know you're not okay? You want me to scream at you a little bit, don't you? Every now and then, right? You want somebody to stomp the feet every now and then, right? Call me higher. Help me to be what I'm supposed to be. I didn't. I already was a part of a denominational church where there was no accountability. Already done that. Already went to church where nobody interacted with anybody. And it was just a bunch of hypocrites, me being one of the biggest ones. I've already done that. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here just to be religious. I'm here because I want to, my life to count for Jesus. And so those 3,000 were baptized. And then in Acts 4, there were 4,000. Or 5,000 men, the Bible says. At least 5,000 men in the church. Church was exploding. And it was, it was exploding because they were preaching a bold message by the power of the Spirit. It takes a spirit of boldness to save souls. Man, we have to be bold when it comes to our Christian faith and our Christianity. People aren't drawn to a mealy-mouthed, weak faith. They're drawn to a bold faith, a courageous faith. We want to be a part of something greater than us. We want to be a part of something that calls us higher. And we've got to boldly challenge people. What are you living for? Nine to five? Retirement? And then you die? That's it? God created you for more than that. What are you doing with your life? We used to challenge people on these things. A lot of us, we used to believe, I hope we still do, that the only way to live is as a Christian. And you can have all the money, and you can have the house, and you can have the car, and you can have the dog, and the cat, and the bird, and the three children. 
But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. We used to believe that. We used to preach that. Do you still believe it? Peter boldly preached the gospel, and that's what it takes to save people. You know, I remember the first conference I went to, and I went to a class with the guy who studied the Bible with me. His name was Steve Pipkin, and he took me to this class, and he said, brace yourself. This guy is good. His name was Chuck Lucas. You know, somebody tells you somebody's good, you go, it's all right. Maybe. And man, I went in that class and Chuck started preaching and I felt like I was drinking from a water hose. Man, it was like he was so bold. I mean, he went to Galatians 5 and he talked about sexual immorality and impurity and lust and he called us higher. And you notice, you don't hear that kind of stuff in church today. Everybody's working so hard to be politically correct. I don't care about being politically correct. We need to be biblically correct. Am I right, church? Galatians 5 is still in the Bible. And it moved me and it challenged me. And I said, amen, finally a real church that's living by the Word of God. I can get into that. And what inspired me to want to be a minister was because I wanted my life to count for something that was great. And you don't have to be a minister for that to happen. You can just be a great disciple. But we didn't sign up just to join another religious fraternity. We just didn't sign up to just be a part of a nice religious group. We signed up for something that was bigger and greater and awesome and eternal and that would change the world. And that's what our children need to hear. They won't become Christians unless we call them to something amazing. They won't become Christians if you and your wife are not committed to the ministry of Jesus and you're invested in the church of Jesus, if you're at odds and she's going one way and you're going the other, your kids are going to see through it. If there's secret sin going in your life, your kids are going to see through it. And they're not going to be a part of what you're a part of because what they see is hypocrisy. And they don't see a life, yes, with its imperfections, that is sold out for God. That's what the next generation Wants to be a part of an amazing fellowship that gives glory to an amazing God. We've got to preach the word. We've got to to see that to save souls is going to take a spirit of boldness. Secondly, the spirit. The spirit we need to have, we need to have a spirit of boldness to grow. And I'm talking about your personal growth. It takes a spirit of boldness to make crop progress spiritually. In the past few years, have you progressed or regressed in your faith? Are you as strong a disciple today as you've ever been? I didn't, I'm not asking you, has your circumstances changed? Because if you're married and had children, your circumstances have changed. 
I'm not asking you've gotten older because you have gotten older. We, we go through physical changes. I'm not the man I used to be. That's all right. But internally, we're still supposed to be going, growing from one degree to the next. The longer you're a Christian, the stronger you should be, not the weaker. The, the closer you get to heaven, the more fired up you should be. It, it's not like age. Spirituality goes in the opposite direction. The closer you get to the end, the more on the edge of your seat you should be. No, you don't hear as well and you don't see as well. But you still should be fired up in Jesus. Am I right, church? And maybe you can't move as fast as you used to move. But but you want to. Internally, you still want to. You're just not able to. But you need, you need to have that spirit of boldness to grow in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4. And we see the growth in Peter's life. I've talked about this in the past, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But Peter heals a man, this beggar, and it starts an uproar. And the priest, the Bible says, and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed. And they seized Peter. And the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law came together. And they met with Peter. And they set Peter down. And they said, and by what power and by, by what name have you done this? Now, this was an opportunity. Either step up or step back. But this is not the same Peter that was denying Jesus before little girls. You remember before, it's like little girl asked him, weren't you with them? No, 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 no. I don't know the man. This is a different Peter. This is a Peter who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts 4, in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, Rulers and teachers of the people, If we're being called, account, called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a cripple, and I'd ask how he was healed, then know this! You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The Bible says that when they saw the courage of, of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Spirit of boldness what it takes to grow, to make progress in your personal walk with God. Peter was no longer a people pleaser. He was no longer a coward. And we need to stop being people pleasers. You know, there was a time when a lot of us in our faith, we didn't give, we didn't give two cents of what anybody else thought about us except Jesus. We weren't trying to look good. I mean, we were going back, and some of us made a lot of mistakes. And we went back to our families, and we were not uh, wise. 
Because we were so filled with the spirit of Jesus. We couldn't understand why everybody just didn't want to do what we were doing. I mean, we were a little, little unwise. But to grow spiritually takes a spirit of boldness. Now, I was reading this, this article about this young lady in Africa. She and 100 other girls were captured by this, uh, I don't know, what I don't even know what you call this, this militant group. Yeah. What, what, what's the name of it? Boko Haram. Yeah. That, 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 and, but, and they released all the girls except this one girl, and her name is Alea Sharibu. And the reason they did not release, release Leia, and she's 15 years old, is because she would, rena- would not renounce Christianity. All the other girls were, were let go, except her. And she's still in captivity right now for months because she will not refute her faith. That's a 15-year-old girl. And we are afraid to pray at our desk. We are afraid to let people know that God is the most important thing in our lives. Where's our boldness? And I'm not just talking about evangelism here. I'm talking about boldness in dealing with our marital issues. Boldness. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm going to get my life right. And I'm going to call my spouse to get her life right. Boldness. You know, I was spent time with a brother in, in Panama who's going through a difficult time with his daughter. And man, he searched me out because he, he remembered the class that we taught in St. Louis Cynthia and I, along with Christina and some other families, about what it takes to bring your child back to the faith. He remembered that. And as his daughter went through struggle, man, he went after me. He boldly, I mean, he, until we could sit down and talk, we had a great talk. And we, we, we had, matter of fact, he sent me a text this morning saying things were going so much better. He was very encouraged. But he boldly decided, man, I'm going to go after this. I want my children to go to heaven. I want to get this thing right. Are you boldly seeking input in your life? You know it's a good idea. But who have you called? Who have you reached out to? Man, if your marriage is jacked up, husbands, what are you doing about it? Be bold. You're going to tell your wife, I'm going to get help. She says, I don't want anybody else in our lives. Well, you may not, but I do. I'm not living like this anymore. I'm not faking being a Christian family. I want the real thing. So I'm going to boldly pursue help until we get this thing turned around to the glory of God. I believe we've got to have that boldness. Boldly attack your weaknesses. Anybody got any weaknesses in here? I know I do. What's yours? Are you boldly going after it? Think about what's the 
that one thing you know you need to deal with? Is it an appetite? Is it an emotion? Is it an attitude? Are you boldly going after it? You know, I my nature is to be cynical. I, I know you have never noticed that, but I'm just saying that's my basic nature. And so I have to boldly memorize scriptures that keep me positive. Philippians 4, verse 7. Whatever is is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, not negative things. I need to know that. And every day just go, Sam, be positive in the name of Jesus. Got to work on it. I'm a no person by nature. That's my wife. Some of you are no people. You don't want nobody messing with you. You don't want anybody to take you nowhere because you don't have no time for no more of this. You're a no person. I have to work at being a yes person. I work on that. Right? What about you? I got to be bold. And my first reaction is like, honey, can we? I don't know what you're going to ask. What? Yes. The answer is yes. Before I even know what it is. Yes, honey, we can do it. Can we give money? Yes. Let's give them money. Not as much as you want to give them, but we give them something. Boldly deal with the sin in your life. It's time to get radical. Instead of fooling around with the Internet, be bold. Instead of flirting on the job, be bold. Instead of trying to look like the world and still try to look like a Christian to the rest of us, be bold. Be bold. When are you going to deal with this sin? When are you going to be bold? When are you going to start praying with your wife? She wants to. Be bold. She'll stop nagging you if you'll be bold and lead the way. Am I right? Am I right, sisters? Oh, man, that's a little, little weak there, but that's okay. <laughs> Boldly call on the Spirit of God to fill you up. Fill me up, Lord, with your Spirit. Guide me by your Spirit. Help me to walk with your Spirit. Help me to keep in step with your Spirit as your Spirit speaks to me and urges me and moves me and tries to urge me forward. God, help me to not resist it, but to live by your Spirit. Be bold in making those changes. And then finally, we need the spirit of boldness to fulfill our destiny. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he got converted in Acts chapter 9, God sends Ananias, and Ananias says, Lord, you may not know this, but this man has been persecuting Christians. 
Now, I know you're the Lord God Almighty, but maybe you missed this one. And he is not open to the gospel. And the Lord says, you just go do what I tell you to do. And so Ananias went and he, he met with Paul. And, and this is what was said at Paul's baptism party. Because, you know, sometimes we have a baptism party and we share about before a person gets baptized. You know, all that they have changed and we make them feel so good. And they're walking on water and they're like, hallelujah. They're feeling all good. Well, this is what was said at Paul's baptism. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Very encouraging. Wouldn't you have loved that they've been said at your baptism? That you know you're getting baptized today, but after this, there's going to be some show enough suffering going on in your life. And then he went on and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's encouraging, isn't it? Paul, he, he goes off and he fulfills the destiny that God had called him to. But it was by the power of the Spirit of God. And then one of my favorite scriptures is in Acts 20 as we, we're coming in for a landing here. Acts 20. And Acts chapter 20 this is many years later. Paul meets with the elders from Miletus, and he tries to in, in, encourage them. I mean, from Miletus, he meets with the elders from the church of Ephesus, and he tries to encourage them to, to keep moving forward and reminding them that, look, you're going to be challenged, that people are going to come in and try to infiltrate the church and take away the flock, and you've got to be strong, you've got to stand your ground and be good shepherds of the Lord Jesus. And then he tells them in Acts 20, in verse 22, he says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. And just as I was told when I got baptized, I'm going to suffer. He says, but I don't mind. Because my life is worth nothing to me unless I complete the task and finish the race. The Lord Jesus has given me. That's fulfilling your destiny. That's not allowing the desire for a life of comfort and ease to get in the way. You see, he was courageous. It, let, let me ask you something. Does it take courage to be a Christian? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are people that visit and, and God bless you. We, 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 we're thankful that you're here. But my question to you is, why aren't you a Christian? Man, it takes courage to be a Christian man. To stand up for what you know is right. To be willing to make the Bible your standard. To be willing to have true convictions about life 
and to not laugh and joke at every dirty joke that's told on the job, but to stand up for something. It takes courage. And so we praise God for the men in this fellowship who are true Christian men. Am I right? The true Christian men who are fulfilling their destiny and leading the way spiritually. It takes courage to be a Christian woman. It really does in this day and age. And we've got beautiful, awesome women here. And there are men in the world who are hitting on them and they're saying, oh no. Not in this life. Get ye therefore behind me, Satan. True Christian women. And you know, I'm so proud of my daughter who, you know, a guy was trying to hit on her for a long time. I understand why, as beautiful as she is. But she said, no, no way. And she just, and she said, and he said, well, why won't you go out with me? And she said, because you're not a disciple of Jesus. So he started coming to church. And this, and this year he got baptized into Christ. He became a disciple. And he's been a disciple for a few months, and this past week he finally took her out on the first day. I don't know if he's the one or not, but I know, I know this. I'm so proud that she didn't compromise, that she didn't give in, because, because she didn't have the, the logic that, well, maybe if I go out with him and, and I compromise, maybe he'll be... No, she says, no way, I'm not compromising. I'm a Christian woman. The Bible is my standard. I'm going to do it God's way. That's my destiny. That's what I'm called to. I'm not going to compromise. That's being a real Christian woman. Am I right? That's really beautiful. Christian women, help me out, brothers. Christian women are beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. And you will only find them in the kingdom of God. You won't find them out there in the world. You won't find them at the club. And some of you need to appreciate the one you got walking around in your house. I know I got me a true Christian woman. She ain't faking it. She's a real deal. And I'm blessed. And she blessed because she got a true Christian man too. It takes courage to be a Christian as a teenager. Man, I'm proud when our teens decide I'm going to live for Jesus. They're fulfilling their destiny. They are our future leaders. Man, you become a disciple as a teen, you super bad. My only regret in my Christian life, amongst, you know, the many mistakes I made, but one regret is that I didn't do it sooner. I was 18 when I got baptized. I needed to get baptized when I was 15. But there was no one around to help me. A spirit of boldness to fulfill your destiny. Why aren't you a leader in this church? If you've got the talent and gifts to be a leader in the secular world, you can be a leader in the spiritual world. Why aren't you having an impact? You know, the class that me and Mohan taught, as I bring this to a close, was the man from Macedonia, when a no becomes a yes. A lot of times we say no. 
Sometimes God says no. But we've got to be willing to submit to the Spirit of God. When I was invited to come to New York in 1986, I said no. I ain't going to New York. Are you crazy? And then Cynthia hooked up this meeting for me to meet with the Johnsons with her, just the two of us for lunch. And I'm sitting there with a bad attitude, like, why are you bringing me over here to meet with these people who I do not even know? And so we had decided that we were going to leave Tallahassee because we needed more training. I needed more training. So we went to Denver. We went to Charlotte. Uh, went to a few other places and had a trip scheduled for California because we were going to go out there to see if maybe that was God's will for our life. But Steve and Lisa told us, well, and we were in Florida, on your way to California, stop in New York. Now, you know where Florida is. You know where New York is. And you know where California is. That makes no sense. But that's what we did. We stopped in New York on the way to California. When we got to New York, the Spirit of God made it clear, this is where you need to be. And we went on to California, but it was a total waste of time because we'd already made up our minds, and we looked at each other and said, we're going to New York. It makes no sense logically. It makes no sense financially. It makes no sense geographically. It makes no sense for, as far as your own personal safety is concerned. It makes no sense. But if you're going to fulfill your destiny, it's going to take a spirit of boldness to follow the spirit of boldness. And here we are 31 years later in New York. And it's by the power of God that we are here because we've decided not to follow our will, but God's will and to live by the spirit of boldness. What are you going to do this week? God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Be bold in the spirit. Live by the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit. May God bless you. You just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nycococ.net.